2: Yo, my people, what up? KJ Podcast. We've got a little bit to discuss about Ruben Foster. 49ers are going to be playing the Seattle Seahawks this week. We'll touch there. Hope everyone's having a great end of November, start to December. BlueWirePods.com. You can find our full lineup of podcasts. Launched this network a couple months ago. Closing in on 100,000 downloads per month, growing quickly. Want to be transparent with you guys, my listeners. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Ruben Foster was claimed Tuesday by the Washington Redskins. One of those shockwave moves. It's not totally surprising because Ruben Foster is a talented player. The Washington Redskins don't care about PR. The owner, Dan Snyder, signed off on the situation. Any owner in the league is signing off on a domestic violence free agent. There's no way that is not brought to ownership because there's immediate public backlash. The Redskins decided it's Reuben Foster's worth the public backlash. We have a lot of Alabama players in the locker room. They've handled a lot of things poorly. I can add some context to the situation from a lot of people I've talked to who are close to Kyle Shanahan throughout the years. Basically, though, the... I want to address the Redskins first because I used to cover them and grew up a fan of the team. I don't care if they win or lose now. I certainly still follow them. It's a bad move because Reuben Foster is not an edge pass rusher. He's not a shut-down corner. You can live without Reuben Foster as your middle linebacker. Yes, he's very, very talented. He was his rookie season. A lot of the film clips this year don't show a Pro Bowl type of player. They could have really let him hit the open market, negotiated a contract. I guess the Redskins thought another team was going to put out a feeler for him. They were the only one. Clearly, no other owner was like, please bring this to us. Like, we're totally cool with this. They saw a good head coach in Kyle Shanahan get rid of this guy, a first-round pick, someone who they wanted to be the face of the franchise, and the 49ers moved on this quickly. Hey, we're not going to take a chance. A lot of teams automatically didn't even discuss it, I'm sure. Redskins did they pull They put out kind of a bullshit statement from Doug Williams here's the number one thing Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen hide behind this stuff they're the ones actually making the decision the context I want to add to the situation I've reported it before pro football talk picked it up a lot of people picked it up there is bad blood between Kyle Shanahan and Dan Snyder there are petty wars that still exist Dan Snyder knows he's He's going to be an owner for 30 more years until he's Jerry Jones. He's never giving up on the Redskins. This is his new playing field. He has allies, enemies. Kyle Shanahan is an enemy. The report came out. I think it was Chris Mortensen. This was 2017 offseason. Kyle's first year. There were trade discussions for Kirk. That wasn't automatically before he got franchise tagged. The Redskins were entertaining it. I know for a fact that Dan Snyder was never going to trade Kirk Cousins away and potentially help Kyle Shanahan that whole saga I covered it in 2012 2013 Robert Griffin's career was kind of the middle piece between the Shanahan's and Dan Snyder and it's, it's one of the you know worst sports divorces we've seen in the last 20 years part of why Ruben Foster is now a Redskin in the back of Dan Snyder's mind he wants to try and one up and get one on Kyle. He's willing to bring an immense amount of scrutiny on the organization, the head coach, the players in the locker room all being asked questions about it today. The Alabama guys who they threw in the statement from Doug Williams. All of these things are shields for Dan Snyder to have his petty wars. We're going to have Craig Hoffman on. I pre-taped that interview. The Redskins have graduated from a franchise that's two and nine every year. Like They're, they're at least in the middle of the pack. And Dan Snyder, similar to Jerry Jones, how they took a chance on Greg Hardy, he really admires Jerry Jones for saying F you at times, and the Redskins are still one of the highest grossing NFL franchises despite not winning a playoff game in, what, 10 years at least? Ruben Foster, he's either hit Alyssa Ennis multiple times, she's framing him, maybe it's both. It's certainly a big deal. You certainly should be unemployed longer than 72 hours for all the arrests that Reuben Foster's had. Gun charge, marijuana, the, the combine incident. Listen, the 49ers said it wasn't worth it. The Redskins are saying, we don't care about the negative publicity. Can you imagine if Reuben Foster was still in the 49ers right now? The kinds of questions that Kyle Shanahan would be asked. There could be protesters outside the stadium. That's the California culture. It's East Coast over there, but it's basically Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen together saying, we don't give an F what the rest of the league thinks. Maybe this works out for us. If he's convicted, we'll cut him and say, hey, you know, we took a chance. It's shocking though. The Redskins didn't do any police work. They didn't call Tampa Bay Police Department. They included players in the statement, as I said, and players in the locker room today like, deny that they, they didn't want to talk about the Reuben Foster situation. This is how organizations start to split apart when you make lightning rod decisions like this. And I just don't think Ruben Foster, yes, he's talented. Is he talented enough to jeopardize everything? People are going to say, oh, the media is overreacting. Uh, this is going to shake up that building. I've worked in an NFL building. I've seen Josh Gordon get suspended. I've seen what the emotions are like, how people react. I've seen the Johnny Manziel fallout. I've seen shit shows happening. And the Redskins started a shit show internally for Ruben Foster. I mean, his rookie season was amazing. His second year, he's playing with a hurt shoulder. He might be getting surgery, he might be getting suspended. I, I just don't understand riling up everything for Ruben Foster. One other Foster note as it pertains to the 49ers. Remember John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, their first draft together, they had Peter King. They wanted to be very transparent. Trent Balky had made a mess. The 49ers' image wasn't good. They wanted to let the cameras in. This is how we operate. Tell the world we have nothing to be afraid of. They did admit during this whole process, if Solomon Thomas was off the board when they were picking, Reuben Foster would have been their pick. Man, we brought it up last podcast. They've got to come up with better projections pre-draft. Who has final say over defensive personnel? Draft decisions, they've been wrong. Richard Sherman, I'll give them credit for. Fred Warner, I'll give them credit for. Anything else on defense, they either inherited or they've kind of screwed up. And I'm not banging the drum to bring another voice in or not banging the drum for Robert Sala to leave. But one of those two options seems like kind of likely, right? They've got to get better somewhere. I don't think it can be status quo and Jimmy G. The defense needs some type of adjustment, whether that's from the lens of the talent evaluation or the schemes or just a new coordinator calling the same defense differently than Robert Sala. Who knows? Well, it is Seattle week. The Niners have lost seven in a row against the Seahawks who once again find themselves right in the thick of things. Russell Wilson. They have new star players emerging. Trey Flowers, a cornerback. A fifth-round pick, 6-3. They start hitting on a couple of these draft picks. Seattle could remain relevant. Looks like they might have an inside track to get the wild card. they got an easier schedule to close. They get the 49ers twice. I think it's going to be the same exact score as last week against the Buccaneers, 27-9. Kind of sucks to hear this, guys, I know, but Seattle is pretty good this year. They started off slow like they always do. They come into their own. They're 6-5. They're 11th overall in DVOA. Actually, funny, they're 11th on offense and 11th on defense. Russell Wilson's pulling shit out of his ass. Tyler Lockett has eight touchdowns. It's been Chris Carson carrying the load for them. Seventh-round pick over Rashad Penny. That's kind of been the big surprise. They're eking out close games. They're beating the Packers. They're beating the Panthers. They're expecting to whoop up on the 49ers. This will be kind of the big game for Nick Mullins. If he steps up here and this is competitive and they have Seattle on the ropes and he's playing well, he's going to probably start the rest of the year. If Nick Mullins walks out and struggles... And it's similar to last week, and he's not getting much help. And it's really all Brita and Kittle. He's going to have to try and help other people look good. Seattle's missing Earl Thomas. They are a little vulnerable deep. We haven't seen Nick Mullins throw many deep passes. Had that nice 25-yarder to Dante Pettis last week. There were a couple deep routes dialed up. A lot of the success is going to hinge on him. It'll be interesting. All right, so the... The 49ers have a really good run defense. Seattle, you know what they're going to do. They're going to scheme up Akilah Witherspoon. They might attack Richard Sherman. By the way, Pete Carroll said Richard's probably going to get a warm reception. There'll be some booze in there, you know, because San Francisco, there used to be a rivalry here. There's not any longer. It's going to be fun to actually watch the Seattle scheme play against the 49ers offense. Let's see how effectively it's working there. Kyle loves going up against it, but it also gave him a lot of challenges. He was in Atlanta and other places around the league going against it. It's why he ultimately chose it as his. It'll be a nice paradox to see. Yeah, I mentioned Trey Flowers. I mean, their defense has young pieces that are developing draft picks that are good. Frank Clark is a really good draft pick they made. That was a scrutinized pick that worked out for them. That was a domestic violence thing that... They rode out and the player was a hit. Their evaluations so far in the draft, they've been the best NFC team of the decade from start to finish. The most consistent, pretty much. Russell Wilson is likely a Hall of Famer. How crazy is that? Maybe not likely, but it's going to be, it's trending that direction. The Niners are far away from this. Let's see who continues to play well. The thing is, you know Kittle and Breida are going to play well this week. That's really cool. You're going into a game knowing that a couple guys are going to play well. That's where we're at with the two and nine 49ers who are picking number one overall in the draft with no Jimmy G. I had the tweet. I wanted to actually mention this about Kyle. He really did step up to the plate in that press conference. It was Kawakami mostly and, and Killian was down there. They were asking him candid, real tough questions. He answered them honestly. The 49ers had people basically going to Ruben Foster's house. I think they mentioned Austin Moss, Director of Player Engagement was constantly checking in on Ruben Foster. Kyle laid out the you know the plan they had for him kind of the risk they knew what they were taking. Bottom line is Kyle showed good leadership in a trying time for an organization. We saw Matt Patricia how he dealt with his situation earlier this year. He got accused of some sexual al- allegations from 20 years ago. The Lions handled it poorly. The Redskins have handled situations poorly with Ruben Foster here. The 49ers, yes, it's kind of screwed up their rebuild a little bit. Yes, it's showed they're a little vulnerable. Maybe they don't know what they're talking about as much as we think. But in terms of someone to look at who's steering the ship for this team, it's so clear. Kyle is the one in control. Kyle is taking ownership. Kyle's going to use this as a learning experience for him, for the staff around him, for the whole football team. I, I thought he handled it really well. I know some of you tweeted back, like, dude, he just answered questions at a press conference. He created this mess. Shouldn't he have to do it? We're, we're coming away from that press conference not feeling like this is a disaster because he came away as honest and transparent, and that they're really trying to figure this thing out. I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of situations where you know the head coach is essentially there for when shit happens and it hits the fan, can he handle it? It looks like Kyle can. We'll see what the record is next year. Everything is on year three. They go 5-11, and 6-10 in year three. Shit is going to be on, no matter what. If they get injured, it doesn't matter the circumstances at that point. They're going to have to win football games next season. But for all the crap they've dealt with, the injuries, Ruben Foster, draft picks not being a hit, Kyle has remained as composed as can be. You know we've had Adam Kapan on here say Kyle does have a temper behind the scenes and his assistants I know he's gotten on them before but um in terms of looking at someone to be a leader Kyle kind of stepped up in that situation I wanted to point that out on the pod. Yeah I don't think the Seahawks game is going to be fun to watch guys and I told you then then it's Denver at home and then Seattle at home the Bears are mixed in somewhere there's a lot of home games in December. And then at LA to close. You might sneak a win or two. I can see Chicago letting their foot off the gas potentially. Denver is is beatable. Who knows? Mullins struggles. There's going to be conversations in Santa Clara. It might be time to flip back to CJ Beathard, especially if they lose by a couple touchdowns. They're going to say at least CJ, the whole team, it was closer. I don't know. There's going to be arguments to put CJ back in the lineup, depending on Nick Mullins' performance. All right, let's bring on Redskins reporter Craig Hoffman, talk a little bit more about Ruben Foster, what the Redskins were thinking. It's kind of a big moment in this 49ers era with Kyle and John Lynch. Let's cover it correctly, then we'll wrap up on the back end. KJ Podcast, we've got Craig Hoffman, 106.7, the fan, Redskins reporter, he's been on the scene, Ruben Foster, it's been crazy. Craig, I guess my first kind of take on this situation is this was a Dan Snyder decision to me. Every owner in the entire league would have to approve of a domestic violence situation coming into their organization. I've been around Kyle Shanahan a lot. I've been around some people that he knows. People have told me before there's really bad blood between the Shanahans and Dan Snyder I, I do think part of his thinking in adding Ruben Foster is to try and get one past the 49ers. Um there's a lot to break down with this situation. Just y- your thoughts on Dan Snyder and the role he played in getting Ruben Foster to DC.
3: Well, I think he definitely had to sign off on it. Um I I don't think that all of a sudden when he became available, he ran to Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden and said, "Hey, we need to do this, and I don't think any of the motivation has anything to do with the Shanahan's. I I don't think you're wrong. There is a ton of bad blood between the Shanahan's and uh, and Dan, and, um, you know, that obviously ended very poorly. And, and Robert Griffin and his whole career and how that played out was very emotional for all involved. Um, I've heard a couple of interviews with Kyle over the years where he's not afraid to call Washington's organization out. Uh, or the owner out. So uh, that's all true, but I don't, I don't think this is has anything to do with that. Um, I think this was Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden seeing a football player that they really liked. And, and Jay says, I mean, he said it on the record today, it's something I've heard for a couple of years. This is one of his favorite players going back to 2017 uh, in the draft and he became available. And so they made the move and Dan was okay with that. Um as far as Dan's role in that, I mean, he's got to set the tone for his organization. He sets the values for his organization. If he kiboshes it, then they don't get to do it. Um, he clearly not only didn't kibosh it, he approved it. And uh, so Reuben Foster, is uh, has his rights are to the Redskins right now.
2: I think the next place to go is Foster on the field. Really, this year his film was unimpressive. You could make thirty cut-ups of oh, Reuben Foster looks the same, but majority of his snaps were not that good in the second year. Obviously, he's been banged up a lot, hasn't played the full season, was suspended the first two weeks, didn't have the normal off season that you know your typical sophomore NFL player would have. That shoulder looks bad enough. I wonder if surgery's on the table. Clearly, they looked at film from his rookie season, the Redskins, and said Listen, we're willing to deal with the backlash of this because we're building a, a smash mouth defense, and he fits into it. If if all pans out, if you know this is not a, a domestic violence case that gets convicted in court.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, Ruben Foster was going to be a top ten pick if he wasn't you know, filled with all kinds of baggage by the time the draft rolled around, and, and a lot of that, you know, was even at the combine where he had the the incident with the hospital employee was thrown out of the combine, like all that stuff is why he dropped, and yet he was still a first-round pick with the 49ers trading back up into that spot to take him. The talent, the upside, the potential for what he is as a football player is tremendous. I mean, he's a very talented guy. I don't think if you're an organization, though, and why the other 30 teams or 31 teams in this league didn't put in a waiver claim is is nothing to do with his football talent. It's everything with the other stuff. Um, Washington needs a linebacker uh, they need actually frankly they need two linebackers Mason Foster and, and, and Zach Brown are wildly inconsistent they've been you know A players in some weeks they've been D players in other weeks and, and they would like to get an impact player at that position and Foster fits that bill uh, you combine that with the familiarity he has of a lot of teammates here uh, from Alabama from Haha Ha Dix uh all the way through to John Allen and and even Sean Dion Hamilton and Deron Payne who were their first or their fifth and first rounders in this past draft. Um uh, they think they can get the most out of him and they can keep him clean so to speak if this were to wind up uh clearing itself in Tampa. So uh, they, they made that decision. Um, and clearly, they value his ability more than they do the negative PR that has come their way. And they're willing to deal with that. And, and, you know, whether that's right or wrong is up to the eye of the beholder.
2: Yeah, no, it's funny. They really don't care. As our Blue Wire podcaster Burgundy blog tweeted, they've turned the heel officially. They kind of have for years. Like, they're really in FU mode. Like, who cares what you think of us? But I, I will give the Redskins credit. I cover them... Through all that fiasco with RG three, they were in the dumps. Then they've they graduated to be a respectable eight and eight team. They're not one of the worst franchises in the league, I guess. Dan and everyone upstairs thought, you know, we're at a position right now where, listen, w- we'll deal with it. Um, I guess I I really didn't like the Doug Williams statement just because I guess they're implicating some players had some decisions in this, and then you guys are in the locker room today. Some of the players saying we had. None of this. It it just seems like it, it was fish officially presented. Obviously it was a quick decision. They had, you know, less than forty-eight hours to make it. What what did you think of the Doug Williams statement and what was the locker room like um with the Ruben Foster news?
3: I mean, it's something where I don't I, I don't know how much I hated the statement initially. I probably don't I dislike it more now than I did initially because you know, initially it's like, you know, all right, he's gotta earn it. They're saying the right things, you know. If you're going to make this move, this is the way in which you're going to make it. He hasn't earned anything. You know, uh, he's he's not in the uh excuse me he's in the you know, he's not in the clear legally, he's not in the clear with the league. We're gonna let all that play out. And if that comes back clean, he'll be a Washington Redskin. You know, we talked to his teammates, uh, we we think, you know, we believe uh in what he can bring if this thing isn't true, yada yada yada. To then, in hindsight, look at it and the implications that clearly they were not on the same page, that they couldn't at least tell their players that they had said that, um, <laughs> or the players are not willing to put their names on it. Um, whatever, whatever the PR strategy was, was not a good one. And I don't necessarily put that on the Redskins PR department. I think it was a mistake. And I also look—if I'm being honest—I don't think that statement was from from Doug Williams either. I no. mean, it, and that is how statements work. They're a collective. I just, I don't know who was involved in it um, from the PR staff, from the front office, from Doug himself was certainly, it wasn't like his name was just slapped on something he had never seen, but the decision to include the players and then for us to go in there and, you know, not even all of them, but to me, the one guy who has emerged as a leader that would qualify here is Jonathan Allen and Jonathan straight up told me. And and us as a collective media, I just happen to be the one asking yeah. the question. I was not consulted. And if you're not going to ask him, then what's the point? Well, yeah. he's a leader on your team. He's he's the guy whose demeanor you trust the most. Um, I thought he handled it as well as you possibly could. Um, I actually give a, a ton of kudos to John Allen for what he said because he didn't even defend Foster. He's like, I don't want to get into his character. I don't want to do this. I had no problems with him in Alabama. But I think he's a good football player, et cetera, et cetera. The the show they put on today and also Bruce Allen not being willing to talk is insane. You put all these other people out there. You put Jay Gruden out there to answer these questions that aren't Jay Gruden's questions to answer, but he's all we got. So the way they've handled this from a front office perspective, and I put this solely, frankly, on on Bruce and Dan – uh, because they are the two highest-ranking people in this organization. If you're going to do something like this, you need to be able to answer for it. There are legitimate, valid questions, yep. and not making yourselves available to me is, is not how you should be conducting business in, in a public business like is professional football.
2: This isn't worth it to me. I mean, Ruben Foster is not a edge pass rusher. He's not a shut down corner. You could live without Ruben Foster. Now they're, they've got some dichotomy here where. Things can spin out of control here. This could put Jay Gruden's job in jeopardy—not the actual moment, but just oh, one part of the thing. Remember when Foster came in? You know, it started a, a downfall. I personally don't think he's worth it. They were the only team to put a waiver claim on him, and I, reports are coming out they didn't even call Tampa Police to get more information about it. It seems rushed. It seems old. Them. It seems like oh, the oh shiny player. We we've got to have him. You know, as a fan of this team, growing up covering this team and and seeing it, it, it's—I'm not—I'm just not a fan of this move. I I don't think Foster is going to be that big of a difference maker, and and I guess you know what—they're just hoping the storm passes. It's 2019. If they have to get rid of him, whatever, they'll move on. It is the NFL. This stuff is always going to continue to happen, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a weird situation because it just. I don't see what the upside is. Their argument is we claim him, we get his rookie contract, he's under team control in the long term. Okay, but what if this charge is true? Then you have to cut him and now you have dead cap money. So even even the thing that makes the most logical sense from a risk perspective, taking all of the PR, taking all of everything else out of it, that doesn't even make 100% sense. So I just I, it, I understand that they didn't want to necessarily compete with other teams to try to eventually sign him. If he is cleared, he becomes a free agent, et cetera. Yeah. You get him in your building faster. Like I, I understand all of those things. But if you have faith that you can sign him, and with all of his former teammates pulling on him saying, hey, come here, we need you, you could be part of it. I actually think that if they got into a sweepstakes with other teams, assuming that they were all offering similar money, which I don't think would be a lot of money, uh, considering, or if it was any kind of significant money, there would be yeah. a ton of uh, parameters on that on that money, snap counts, things like that, in case he gets suspended or worse. Um, then, then like you wind up probably paying him less over the next couple of years, and you have the freedom to move on, uh, and you don't have to take this PR hit. Like it just—it's a move that doesn't make a lot of sense from a lot of facets, and that is not even going into the details of what is alleged to have happened. And th- those are obviously problematic. And I just, I, I'll say this real quick on those. Uh, I've tried as a reporter um, after initially, you know, saying some some more personal thoughts to try to just stick to the facts here. Yeah. But the facts are this, either Reuben Foster has hit this woman now multiple times and she recanted, which is very, very common in domestic violence cases where the victim actually winds up trying to protect the accused uh, after some things start to play out. So that that is possible that that he hit her. The other possibility is uh, it is one of the rare occurrences where a woman lied about being hit to try to do something. And, and in fairness to Reuben Foster, that is what she said happened. She said after they broke up and in this three-year on-and-off-again relationship that he she tried to end his career by lying about this. And then he went back to her. That leaves me with decision-making questions about who you're surrounding yourself with. And are you going to, and this is, is this the most important thing here? No, but it's a decision I'd have to make if I was running an organization. Are you going to put my organization in jeopardy by the decisions you make on and off the field? And if you're making that decision, even though it's an, an intense interpersonal relationship decision, then I'm not risking that Blowing over in a way that's going to affect my organization, yeah. and so that one of those two things has is, is happened. And either way, it's not good, and, and it it would be prohibitive of me signing him. And I think clearly there are twenty five plus, if not thirty plus, teams that feel the same way.
2: Yeah, exactly. Kyle Shanahan was like, "I'm sorry, dude. We did everything. We had guys come into your house. We had everything, but someone sleeping at your house every night." And we still couldn't trust you to make the right decision. Is she crazy enough to show up at the hotel and make this up? Uh, facts will play out in court. If she recants again in court, this is going to be the craziest case ever. Craig Hoffman's going to be dealing with it now. We've talked about Reuben Foster for a while in San Francisco. It's now uh, he's on the Redskins plate now. Appreciate your time, man. Very nuanced answer. It was great. Thanks, Kevin. All right. That's going to kind of put a bow on our Reuben Foster coverage he's now with the Redskins great insight from Craig there he's always going to remain a dark cloud over John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's resume of building a team and one of their first draft picks and one that blew up in their face is he really going to impact the entire rebuild it's tough to say it's tough to say he's just one player but the 49ers are moving forward and we're talking about other draft picks on the team. Solomon Thomas did have a one-on-one interview, it looks like, with Mayoko. I haven't seen anyone else write about this. Where he's taken blame for this season. His journey's taken a lot longer than expected. He knows he's not playing up to his potential. Yeah, I mean, we had this argument before, especially on Twitter. Bigger draft disappointment. Ruben Foster off the team in one and a half seasons. Solomon Thomas... He's got one sack this year. He's 19th on the team in tackles. He played 53 of the 73 snaps. Really has made no impact on the field. He has not had a really good game. And I will say the 49ers are a nice run-stopping unit. He does a damn good job there. This is a passing league. You make your money on passing downs. They've got to get him on the inside in nickel situations try and free him up. Yeah, I don't know. Someone presented me this question today. What are the 49ers going to do if they have the number two overall pick, if they can't get Nick Bosa? Are they going to draft Ed Oliver? Are they going to draft Greedy Williams, corner from LSU? Ed Oliver is a nose tackle, defensive tackle from Houston. I'm not sure. That's the point of this. Like, You beat Seattle this week, you are going to feel good. It's a rival, da 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 But at the end of the day, if you don't have the number one overall pick, it's it's becoming clear that Nick Bosa is the number one pick. But I will say, he didn't play at all this year, and he has injury history. I know there's going to be a small little drummed-up bandwagon who's like, yo, I'm not sold on Bosa. I do think he'll end up being the number one overall pick. He's got just as much talent as his brother, if not more. Look at what Miles Garrett is doing this season. Look what Frank Clark is doing. Daniel Hunter. There's only like 15 of these guys in the league. There's less of these guys than quarterbacks. If you can get your hands on one, you do it. We'll see. I've still got to watch full-on tape of him. That should probably be done at some point soon. <laughs> KJ Podcast, talking about the 49ers. Talking about the Reuben Foster situation. Lightning Rod. I did wanna I didn't mention this and I was thinking about it earlier walking around and I wanted to mention it. The Ruben Foster situation does remind me of the Johnny Manziel situation. Ian Rapaport said a good thing. Ruben Foster conned the 49ers. Every time he messed up, he went in there with sad puppy dog eyes. He gave a spiel, and John Lynch and Kyle kind of did their best to say he needs special rules. Look at his childhood. He's coming from Alabama. This is gonna we knew this is gonna not be easy. And he was good at fooling the 49ers. And then once he stepped away from the facility, it was he just fell back on poor decision making. The same thing happened with Johnny Manziel. Drafted as a lightning rod, late first round draft pick, coming in here, knew there was gonna be issues, gotta put, you know, a system in place, make sure he's okay. He starts messing up. Brown started making excuses for him. And then ultimately, you, you give a guy so many chances, and then they, they just don't get it. So it never clicked really back on for Johnny Manziel. He went to the CFL and kind of sucked, and that might be it for him because of that. I thought he would actually dominate there. Ruben's not there yet because he really performed at a high level as a rookie. I think he's going to end up needing shoulder surgery, and uh, I, I think he might be suspended for a while as Craig mentioned though and to be fair to him these are all allegations nothing has been convicted in a court of law it really has felt like guilty until proven innocent with the domestic violence stuff um i reported last night that he was out to dinner with a couple of his teammates shout out to my buddy you know who you are for texting me at that restaurant in virginia ruben foster a redskin 49ers moving forward. You can't have Malcolm Smith start next season. You're going to release him. You have an out in his contract. You're going to try and draft another Fred Warner in the fourth or fifth round. I don't, you, you don't want Brock Coyle starting next year. You don't want Elijah Lee starting. And I don't think you want to sign a retread like Malcolm Smith in free agency as a starter. I think that'll be more of a depth piece. So I would say they're going to try and find a foster replacement in the fourth or fifth round of the draft. And by the way, they don't have a fifth-round pick, so they're going to have to acquire something like that. All right, KJ Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you after the Seattle game Sunday night. Peace.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.